Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, uh, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Uh, give us a call, 208-991-4783, and uh, become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. I want to thank those who have supported our listener support campaign. Thank you so much for your support. I want to specifically thank Nora and Nancy who sent along donations. And uh, we will, as we do with uh, all donations of $7 or more, send access to our premium site. Plus, for those who uh, uh, give a donation of $20 or more, we will send a special thank you gift, as well as... Uh, a free digital copy of my ebook, All I Needed to Know I Learned from Columbo. Among the very nice uh, digital gifts we have are uh, copies of the BBC uh, radio plays of uh, Poirot and Miss Marple. They have a few featured plays, but most of the Poirot stories have been uh, adapted, and those are available with a donation of $50 or more. So, uh, just uh, email me on that, and we've got a complete list over at the website, support.greatdetectives.net. All right, well, now it's time to get into today's episode of Leodotus Witherall. This is the last one we have of the series from April 22nd of 1945. Here is The Corpse Meets a Deadline. <laughs> Thanks for everything, boss. Maybe I can repay the favor sometime. Maybe I can do something for you, like cutting your throat. WOR presents the distinguished American actor, Walter Hamden, in The Adventures of Leonidas Witherall. Tonight's adventure, The Corpse Meets the Deadline. Leonidas Witherall is the New England schoolmaster who looks like Shakespeare and is always getting mixed up in murders. At the moment... Mr. Witherall has gone to the city desk of the Dalton Herald. It's a very urgent mission on behalf of his housekeeper, Mrs. Mullet. And Leonidas, along with Mrs. M., is explaining it to the Herald's editor, Mr. Forrest. Uh, you see, Forrest... Uh, yes, Leonidas? Uh, Mrs. Mullet here is... Uh, uh, what's your title, Mrs. Mullet? I'm director of public relations for the Dalton's Ladies' Aid and Get-Together Society, early Wednesday afternoon group, section two. Leaving on track seven? And our group's holding a special meeting tomorrow. They're having a guest lecturer, Forrest. Oh, really? Who is it? We're having Mrs. Hildegard Fish, who wrote South American Question Mark and Balkan Riddle. She's going to speak on Russia, Russia, what does it mean? Completely baffled, isn't she? And you want us to mention it in the Herald, huh? 
mention it. Well, if you could uh, eliminate the news about General Eisenhower and General Patton and just turn, say, uh, ten columns over to Mrs. Mullet's group, Forrest. Uh... Aside from Mrs. Fish, we're having an election and our spring tea dance. Going to be a big day. All right, Mrs. Mullet. We'll see that you get all the space you deserve. Mm. How's that, Mrs. Mullet? I told you we could persuade Mr. Forrest. Persuade him? Why, he should be glad. I'm giving him a scoop. Oh, I am, Mrs. Mullet. We don't often get a break like this. There you are, Forrest. Mr. Bennett. Hello, Mr. Bennett. Hello, Mr. Forrest, Bennett. you're a stupid, irresponsible, cheap, yellow journalist. Now, look, Bennett, all I did... Look at this paper of yours. Look uh, at that picture. On the front page, too. I told you not to print that horrible picture of my daughter. There's no harm in that. Running this picture of that rotten gambling den with all those crooks there at the table, my daughter. I can't help it if your daughter visits gambling joints, Bennett. The girl's just 18 years old. She went out on a date. She's no idea where they were going. Just the same, she was there. She wanted to leave the minute they got to that... That evil, iniquitous place. But she didn't leave. The cops came in and our man got the picture. It's not our fault that she's in it. Well, Forrest, I told you yesterday not to print it. Sorry, Bennett. It was the only shot we had, and a good one, too. Oh, you've ruined my daughter's reputation. You've disgraced her. Oh, don't be such a blue nose, Bennett. Now, if you don't mind, I'm busy. I've got an addition to get out. I ought to thrash you, Forrest. I oh. ought to treat you the way my grandfather handled a smart aleck newspaper man out west. He got a horsewhip, and he whipped that editor within an inch of his life. If you don't watch your tongue, Bennett... I'll have you thrown out of this office. Oh, you wouldn't dare. Uh, no, 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 Mr. Bennett. I, I don't want to interfere, but uh, perhaps if you'd uh, cool off... You keep your beard out of this, Witherall. And you mind your tongue, Mr. Bennett. Forrest, you filthy... Get away from this desk, Bennett. Yes, let me get my hands on you. You're so Forrest. Mr. Bennett, I'm going to show you. Uh, uh, me, Mr. Bennett, take your hands off. I will... Let you let go of him, Mr. Bennett, oh, before I out, calm you. Mr. Bennett, or I'll... All right. All right, you crazy fool. Get out of here. I warn you. All right, Forrest. I'm getting out now. But this isn't the end of it. Go on. I'll see that justice is done, Forrest. I'll see that you're taken care of no matter how far I have to go. Hmm. Looks as though Mr. Bennett's going to be a very serious problem, Forrest. Oh, him, Leonidas? No, I'm... I'm used to that. He seems to be extremely excitable. You've got him all wrong. Sure, he'll rave and rant for a while, write letters, and then he'll calm down. Well, I hope so. It doesn't seem as trivial as that, though. I know Bennett. He's a very headstrong old gentleman. And your printing that picture has defiled his little child's good name. Oh, forget it, Leonidas. Oh, come on, I, I don't often have you down here. Suppose I show you and Mrs. Mullet around the place. Uh, feel like uh, touring the plant? Oh, I'd love to. Lead uh, on, MacDuff. I'd like to see the room where the news tickers are. Mr. Mullet knew a lot about news, you know. He had a definition of news, Mr. Witherall. Uh, was it by any chance about uh, a dog? Well, that's right. He said that when a dog bites a man, that's not news. But when a man bites a dog... Tell me. Yes? Anyone ever take a good bite out of Mr. Mullet? Well, how did you know? Uh, these are the linotype machines, Leonidas. Oh, well, quite a formidable array of them, Forrest. Yeah. Could we go over to one of them and get a closer look? Oh, sure, come on. Uh, Pat Welch over there will explain his machine to you. Uh, Pat. Yes, Mr. Forrest? Uh, let up a second, Pat. We have visitors. This is Mr. Witherall and um, Mrs. Mullet. How do you do? How do you do? Uh, Pat here was once a publisher himself. No, really? Yes, but... I don't talk about it much. Uh, Pat had uh, an unpleasant experience. Uh, lost his paper. It was very sad, Leonidas. Uh, terribly sad. The machines worked like a big typewriter, you see. You push the keys and they cut letters on what we call lead slug. Yes, uh, Pat had big ideas once, but he, um, he had to learn. The lead isn't wasted. 
after we print the paper, it's melted down again. Of course, uh, lots of us have to learn. We all make mistakes. It's evident for us that Pat would rather not talk about his old career. Now, uh, where do you melt down the lead? Oh, we have it in those big cauldrons. Uh, you see them on the platform up there? Uh, they're right over your head. Oh, yes. You see the steam coming off? Well, that's piping hot lead in that cauldron, boiling like a noodle soup. Ah, noodle soup. Get that, Mrs. <laughs> yes. Mother? Uh-huh. <laughs> well, the slugs are melted right in there, you see, and then we cool it and feed it down to the machine. Well, where are the presses? That's another thing I want to see. Oh, we'll go there now. We're running an addition, so you'll see the whole works. Running an addition? Well, shouldn't you do something first about my story, The Lady's Literary Group? Oh, yes, Forrest. Mrs. Mullet would like you to stop the presses for it. Oh, we'll get it in the next edition, Mrs. Mullet. I put our top reporter on the job. Uh, Jackie Bigelow, the minute I get back upstairs. Hmm. Jackie's our best man, you know. You'll do your story you sent for me, Mr. Forrest? Yes, Jackie. I just left Leonidas Witherall. He had some woman with him, a Mrs. Mullet. Mullet? Yeah, I know her. Sort of a neighborhood housekeeper up around the Birch Hill section. Yes, well, she's having a taffy pull for a ladies' club. Get one of the kids out front to call it Witherall's. Get the whole story. Write a couple of sticks for the three stars. All right. That's all, Jackie. You can go. That's all as far as you're concerned, Forrest, yes, but I want to do a little talking. This is just as good a time as any. Well, hurry up. I've got a desk full of copy here. Uh-huh. You know what it's about? It's about a phone conversation you had with Cosmopolitan Syndicate. Oh, that wasn't anything. Oh, that wasn't anything, huh? I worked for six months to get Cosmopolitan to make me that offer. You wouldn't have enjoyed being a foreign correspondent, Jackie, especially in Chungking. Tough grind. Thank you. I wouldn't, huh? That just happens to be why I got into this newspaper racket. All my life I've wanted to be a foreign correspondent. You knew that. They asked me for a frank opinion, Jackie. I told them I thought you were a pretty fair reporter. Don't lie to me, Forrest. You told them I was a punk reporter. I found out. You did that for one reason. Because you're naturally a louse. What an imagination you've got, Jackie. You didn't want to lose a good man yourself. These days, that's tough, isn't it? Will you cut it? I couldn't get into this man's war the regular way. The army turned me down. You knew that, too. You knew I'd been eating my heart out covering this small-town junk. Or just a little way down the railroad tracks, the whole bloody world's on fire. Stow the velocity, You killed my chance, Forrest. I'll never get out of this town now. It might be a year, two years, maybe forever. That was my one big chance, and you fixed it so I'd miss the boat. Lay off, Jackie. I'm going to... You heard me. Lay off. City desk, Forrest. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Right. Get into that jalopy of yours and beat it over to the Perkins shipyards. Burning up. Three alarms have gone out. Okay, I'm on my way. And thanks, Forrest. Thanks for everything. Maybe I can do something for you sometime. Like cutting your throat. What can I do for you, Mr. Bennett? I've come here to your place, Mr. Witherall, to apologize for my behavior this morning at the Herald office. It uh, was uh, deplorable, Mr. Bennett. But, of course, you felt printing that picture of your daughter was very embarrassing. That's just the point. I wanted to apologize to you, but I certainly don't intend to retract anything I said to Forrest. In fact, I want your help. Really, Mr. Bennett? Isn't this uh, much ado about nothing? As the poet said, you have too much respect upon the world. They lose it that do buy it with much care. Mr. Witherall, I realize that legally I haven't a leg to stand on. So I decided the best thing to do is to blacklist that newspaper. Mr. Bennett, I hardly think your personal grudge against Mr. Forrest justifies organizing a huge boycott. Oh, but it does. That man has to learn that tactics like his won't be tolerated in Dalton. Here's your coffee, Mr. Witherall. And yours, Mr. Bennett. Oh, uh, thank you, Mr. Martin. Thank you. Now, Mr. Witherall, about blacklisting the Herald, if a group of prominent citizens of Dalton, led by you and me... Grasshoppers, listen to those fire engines go. 
through the window? Uh, you'll have to excuse Mrs. Mullet. Uh, she's an enthusiast. Engine number five. That's Hank McCarthy. Number three. Why, well, that's Jimmy. Gracious, they're all out. I'll bet it's three alarms. Oh dear, I wish I was gone. I could swing a mean hose myself. Get your number two hose out. Move the ladder over. It's too close to the other building. Come on, come on. Get the lid out of your pants. Well, well, if it ain't the hell star reporter. Hiya, Jackie. Hello, Chief. Well, it's a nice little blaze you got. Yeah, it's on it, Jackie. But we'll have it licked soon. Anybody got any idea about how it started? That's what has us wondering, Jackie. It looks phony. You mean it wasn't an accident? Well, now, I don't want to be quoted as saying I'm positive. But I wouldn't be surprised if this shipyard's burning because of saboteurs. No kidding. Saboteurs. Yeah, I said I'm not positive, Jackie. But we suspect it. Thanks, Chief. I gotta go call the desk. Brother, sabotage in little old Dalton. Me for that telephone. <laughs> What is this today, Pat? Everybody's after me for something. Now, what do you want? Forrest, yes? this morning when you brought Witherall down to the linotype department, you sort of went out of your way to take a couple of pot shots at me. Oh, about the way you once owned a paper, Pat? Well, that struck me as a funny story. A little sidelight on one of my employees. You like that idea, don't you, that I'm just one of your employees now? Pat, in San Francisco ten years ago, when you started a paper that you said would put mine out of business, I warned you... I said not to try it. Because you wanted to be the boss of the whole show, huh? You weren't making enough money. You had to squeeze the life out of any paper that tried to get started in the same town. I was just meeting competition, Pat. Yeah, by having my delivery boys beaten up in dark alleys. By sideswiping my trucks so the two of my drivers spent a year in the hospital. By knocking over any stand that carried my papers. And by breaking that poor Italian peddler's neck. That was just an accident, Pat. Sure, that's what the police called it. But I've got another version. I know you've got blood on your hands, Forrest. And you wrecked me. I lost every penny I had trying to buck you. I told you then, don't try it. Remember? All I remember is that you're a crooked chiseler who ruined my business. You're a gangster and a killer and I'd l- Yes? Forrest, this is Jackie Biglow. I'm at the Perkins shipyard. Yeah, what have you got? Better hold the three-star for a replace. This ain't no ordinary fire. Looks like sabotage. Sabotage? What's he saying? Sabotage at the shipyard? You stay there, Jackie. Get busy. Dig up everything you can. Don't lose touch with me. Now, give me the details of what you know. City desk, Forrest. Boss, this is the press room. Number three and four presses just broke down. Broke down? Now? Oh, me with a replate on that sabotage story of all the condemned... Why can't you guys fix it? Well, nobody down here, boss. They're all out for lunch. Wow. Besides, it's something very screwy. Usually I can fix it myself, but I can't figure out what's wrong this time. That would happen now. Ye gods, what kind of a day is this? Everything's going wrong. You better hurry, boss. Sorry, but I'm afraid you'll have to take a look at it yourself. Okay, I'm on my way down. This business will drive me nuts. Nuts! What's wrong with these presses? Where is everybody? What do I pay people for? The presses are bollocks up and there's nobody here. I... Of all that... Hey. Hey, what are you doing up there? Come down off that platform. Get away from those cauldrons. There's a hot lead in there. Are you crazy? Don't push it over. Don't, 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 don't. Ah!
Mrs. Waller, is Mr. Weatherall in? Why, yes, Mr. Bennett. Ah, another visit, Mr. Bennett? You're quite determined about the Herald, aren't you? Mr. Weatherall, something's happened, something horrifying. Oh, what is it? It's Forrest. Oh, has the editor printed another inflammatory picture? No, no, it isn't that. Forrest is dead. Really? He's been murdered. It's all over town. It is, and I didn't know it. Hmm, you must be slipping, Mrs. Muller. Of course, since he's dead, well, you know the consequences. Sure, they'll have to turn in his ration book to the OPA. How did he die, uh, Miss Bennett? Well, in a pretty gruesome way. Oh? He, he was evidently trapped. He was alone in the press room when the killer dumped one of those huge kettles of boiling lead over him. Say, that's a new one. And uh, the body was found in the press room? No. The murderer took the body and dumped it down a chute, the chute where the papers come off the press and roll out onto the delivery trucks. And just a little while ago, the body came rolling down the chute along with the newspapers. Uh, Mr. Bennett, um, why have you come here to tell me about this? Well, I know you've been mixed up in murders, Mr. Witherall, and that you've been rather successful at solving them. Yes, and I heard you threatening Forrest. You weren't by any chance near the Herald building at the time of the murder. Heaven help me, I was in the building. But you know nothing about the murder, of course. Absolutely. I've never been in the Herald press room in my life. I don't know a thing about kettles of hot lead or delivery chutes. Mm, you'd have a little difficulty, Mr. Bennett, proving that. I realize that. That's why I'm here, Mr. Witherall. Would you represent me? Well, frankly, Mr. Bennett, I don't uh, represent anyone. If you uh, think my looking into the story might clarify it or speed the solution... That's all I ask. I want you to come to the Herald office now and get at the truth. We're going to look into the murder, huh? I'll get to the bottom of this. Where's my hat? Where's my coat? Yes, and don't forget your bloodhound. So, uh, you see, Sergeant Macabre, Mr. Bennett claims he knows nothing about Mr. Forrest's death. Mr. Bennett? Yes, Sergeant? You admit that you were here in the Herald Building at 3.30, huh? When Forrest's body came down that chute? That's right, Sergeant. But I had nothing to do with it. What were you doing here, Mr. Bennett? Well, I, I was on the street floor. I decided to come back and demand that Forrest print an explanation, an apology for printing my daughter's picture. But you never got up here to the city desk, uh, Mr. Bennett? No, Mr. Witherall. I changed my mind and I left. Now, you see, Shakespeare, you can't expect me to believe stories like that, can you? Wait till you hear the fairy tale that Linotyper's got. Hey, boy, it's a dilly. Don't mind Sergeant McCobble, Mr. Bennett. They figured, figured morale in the police force was too high, so they took him in. Ah, Mrs. Mullet's in again. She's the only overage destroyer that never got to Britain. What's that? Tut, 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 tut. Now, isn't that the linotyper coming now, Sergeant McCobble? That's the guy, Shakespeare. Name's Pat Welch. Uh, over here, Pat. Sergeant, I told you my story once. I want Mr. Witherall to hear it, Pat. <clears throat> Get this, Shakespeare. It's a honey. Well, I work in the linotype department. I came up here to Forrest's office to talk about the next edition. Then Jackie Biglow, the reporter, telephoned from the shipyard while I was in Forrest's room. Then I left him and went downstairs. That was, oh, about 3.15, I think. You're rather definite <clears throat> about the time, Pat. Yes, I looked at the clock when I got back to the linotype department. Then I got a telephone call saying my mother was sick. You see what I mean, Shakespeare? About fairy tales? Why didn't you go the whole hog, Pat? Say that you had to leave because your grandmother died. Or did you pull that one to get to a ball game? That's the truth, Sergeant. I swear it. That your whole story, Pat? No. As soon as I heard about my mother, I ran to the elevator to get home. But I got stuck inside. I presume the elevator operator can confirm that. No. It's a self-starting elevator. There isn't any operator. But it's stuck. The superintendent will swear to that. It hasn't been fixed yet. 
I've got a little nephew, Pat. He's four years old. The kid could make up a better story than you've got. Pretty sure of yourself, ain't you, Sarge? Now, look, Mrs. Mullet. It's time for spring cleaning. Why don't you go home and rearrange the dirt? Why, no, 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 no. You, Suppose we that. save the second-hand wit for amateur night and get on with finding the sparrow that killed Cock Robin. Pat, um, where's the main switchboard? Downstairs. Going down there, Shakespeare? If you'll excuse me, Sergeant, yes. It's possible that the phone girl can confirm whether or not Pat received a call after three this afternoon. Okay, go on, I'll wait here. Look, Mr. Witherall, you said you'd help me. Now you're wandering off to corroborate this man Welch's story. Mr. Bennett, our objective was the truth, remember? Dalton Harold, good afternoon. Oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Forrest is out. He's getting a fitting for a wooden suit. Yes, yeah, somebody didn't like his face, so they pushed I, him uh, into that. I beg your pardon. I understand your name is Ruth. That's and... right. Jesus, if you don't look like what's his name, um, Shakespeare. Mm, I could only write like him, too. But my name is only Witherall, uh, Ruth. Oh, that's it. You're from Meredith Academy. Yes. Yeah. I'm uh, curious about what happened earlier this afternoon to, uh, what's his name, Forrest. Oh, oh, that. Gee, Pat Welch is in a fix, huh? Everybody knows him and Forrest hated each other's guts, if you'll uh, pardon the expression. Uh, Ruth, uh, was there a phone call for Pat this afternoon? Oh, yeah, yeah, about uh, three o'clock. I don't know who it was from. I only ask who's calling when they ask for an executive. Oh, ain't it a shame. Patty's such a sweet guy. And Forrest, if you'll pardon the expression was a high-class dinker. Hmm. We must have you address our English literature classes at Meredith sometime, Ruth. The uh, tragedy of illiteracy might be the subject. Oh, gee, I'd be only too happy. Uh, with you as Exhibit A. Hiya, Mr. Witherall. Well, what are you doing here? Hiya, Ruthie, baby. Man, oh, man, what a fire I've been to. I'm knocked out. Oh, get ready for a Lulu, Jackie boy. Why, what's up? Well, while you were at the fire, somebody gave Forrest a bath with a bucket of that lead in the press room and then sent the corpse roller-coastering down the delivery chute. <laughs> Cute, ain't it? No kidding. That's it, Jack. The police are upstairs now. Hallelujah. Forrest knocked off? Boy, this is my lucky day. I get a terrific story, and on top of that, somebody puts Forrest where he belongs. Who did it, huh? They know? Uh, Sergeant McCobble's upstairs now with Pat Welsh and Mr. Bennett. They're the most uh, likely candidates for the honor at the moment. Well, what are we waiting for? Let's go on up there. This well, I gotta see. All right, Jack, we can... No, 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 wait a minute. Not that way, Mr. Witherall. Up the stairs. The elevator's broken. See ya, Ruthie. Okay. Bye, Mr. Witherall. Uh, toodle you, Ruthie. Uh, come out to Meredith sometime. As the students say, you'll be hotter than a two-dollar pistol, if you'll pardon the expression. <laughs> Jack, you say Forrest cheated Pat here out of a newspaper, huh? Put him out of business? Yeah, that was the deal, McCobble. It was in Frisco about ten years ago. I'm sorry, Pat, but the fact's a fact. I'm not worried, Jackie. Man that's innocent doesn't have anything to worry about. Yes, as the bard wrote, truth is truth to the end of reckoning. Sergeant, aside from the fact that I happen to be in the building, you haven't a scrap of tangible evidence against me. But when it comes to motive, Mr. Bennett, you did have a violent argument with Mr. Forrest about that picture of your daughter. Since when do you convict people on that kind of evidence? We'll get all the evidence soon enough. Give the sergeant a chance, Mr. Bennett. He'll learn. 
Won't you, Squeaky Shoes? Mrs. Mullet, don't stand there with your teeth in your mouth. Why don't you... Easy, easy, easy. Uh, talking about motives, Jack, I happen to know that Forrest cut you out of the job you wanted, working for that syndicate in Chung King, and I also know what it meant to you. Sure, that's right. Oh, I'm not sorry he's dead. I'll bet everybody in the building had a motive for wiping out that lug. Oh, uh, what happened to your wrist, Jack? Hmm? Oh, oh, the bandage? I burned myself at the fire. Now, the chief will back me up on that. I was poking in the ruins for sabotage evidence. Mm, you've been at the fire since that first call came in, came in about it, Jack? Yeah, I've been there all the time. I telephoned for us from there. Anybody will tell you that. You left the moment the news flash came in? Mm-hmm, yeah, about three o'clock it was. Pat, um, you saw Mr. Forrest alive in his office when Jack telephoned? I did. After Jack called about the sabotage development, Pat... Uh, you went back to the liner type, as I understand it. That's right. When you did, you looked at the clock, and it was 3.15. Uh-huh. Then you received a call from your that your mother was ill. You dashed for the elevator, but it broke down while you were inside. I told you the super will confirm that. Therefore, the elevator broke down roughly about uh, 3.20. And that's about it. Hmm. Very interesting. What's the angle, Shakespeare? Now, Jack, uh, you say you've been at the fire since a few minutes past three, and we know that the elevator broke down about 3.20. Get to the point, Mr. Witherall. Yeah, what's this all about? Uh, Jack, it's about the fact you're supposed to have been at the fire since shortly after three, long before the elevator broke down. Yet when I met you downstairs with Ruth, you remarked quite casually that uh, we should take the stairway because the elevator didn't work. Now, how did you know that, uh, Jack? Why, I, uh... Sounds like a payoff question to me, Jack. One of the truckmen outside on my way in, he told me. Just before I found you at the switchboard. Really, Jack? Hmm. I suppose you'd be willing also to submit your wrist to a medical examination? My wrist? Wrist? Why, certainly I will. Why? Why? Because, Jack, I think you burned your wrist while dumping the cauldron of hot lead over forest. As you know, a medical examination will reveal whether that burn was caused by flames or um, if there are traces of lead in it. I'll uh, have another cup of coffee, Shakespeare. Then I'll be meandering home. You figure Jack went straight to the fire, huh? Yes, Macabo. He stayed there long enough to establish his presence. Uh, then he raced back unseen to the neighborhood of the Herald. Uh-huh. He called up Forrest uh, from downstairs with the sabotage story, uh, creating the impression that he was still at the fire. I get it. Then he buzzed Pat Welch, probably using a phony voice to tell him to lie about his mother being sick. Yes, uh, that yeah. got Welch out of the way. Yeah. And gave Welch a very weak excuse, too. Then uh, Jack uh, Monkey wrenched the presses, uh, forcing Forrest to go down to the press room where he was killed. The whole affair couldn't have taken more than a few minutes. Then Jack went dashing back to the fire. He'd gotten away with it, too. But he hadn't pulled that boner in front of you about the elevator. Yes, there was that. And the wrist burn. Shakespeare, how did you know the wrist burn could be analyzed for traces of hot lead? I never knew that. Um, Sergeant, um, shall I confess something to you? Uh, neither did I. What? It uh, sounded like such a good idea at the time. Oh, you faker. <laughs> Rather neat, eh? Worked beautifully, too. Jack might never have confessed. You know, I think my students at Meredith have given me a superb training in the art of um, uh, what they call manufacturing applesauce. Yeah, well, applesauce or not, Shakespeare, we caught that killer. And that's what counts. Those murderers can't get to the chair fast enough for me. As a matter of fact, 
Considering what kind of a man that newspaper editor was, he deserved to get wiped out, too. Probably, Sergeant. There's no doubt that uh, society's transgressors must be punished. Yet uh, we mustn't make quick, violent judgments. We must always remember what the gentleman I'm supposed to resemble once wrote about mercy when he said, It is twice blessed. It blesseth him that gives and him that takes. It is mightiest in the mightiest. It becomes the throned monarch better than his crown. His scepter shows the force of temporal power, the attribute of awe and majesty, wherein doth sit the dread and fear of kings. But mercy is above this sceptered sway. It is enthroned in the hearts of kings. It is an attribute of God himself. And earthly power doth then show likest gods when mercy seasons justice. W.O.R. has presented the distinguished American actor Walter Hamden in The Adventures of Leonidas Witherall. Mrs. Mullet is played by Ethel Ramey, Sergeant McCobble by Jack McBride. The character of Leonidas Witherall is from the mystery novels by Alice Tilton. The radio script is written by Howard Merrill, and the program is under the direction of Roger Bauer. Next week, Leonidas meets a very interesting hitchhiker, doesn't he, Mr. Hamden? Oh, yes. Leonidas is driving along the highway when he meets a young lady who asks him for a hitch. And a very informative young lady she is, too. In fact, uh, before long, Leonidas is receiving a very practical lesson in how to win friends and influence homicidal maniacs. We hope you'll be listening next Sunday at 7, and until then, good night. Listen again next Sunday evening at 7 p.m. Eastern War Time for The Adventures of Leonidas Witherall. This program came to you from the studios of WOR in New York. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. Welcome back. Well, for classy endings to a series, uh, it's hard to beat the lead character uh, reading that line from Shakespeare. Uh, Walter Hamden, uh, very well-trained uh, and uh, well-experienced uh, Shakespearean actor, as we mentioned before. And, you know, I, I, uh, I will say that I've liked the series the way it's developed. It, it really has become, uh, I think, something really special. Uh, you know, it, it, had a, it developed really this own, uh, this feeling of having a very specific and clear uh, mood uh, to it. You know, and it's developed quite a bit from that first episode we heard. Unfortunately, uh, this was the third to last episode. According to John uh, Dunning's book, On the Air, the last episode aired on May the 6th. So it ran 11 months. I wish we did have more episodes of this series. Um, 
but uh, uh, with World War II, uh, we're pro- probably fortunate to have as many episodes as we do. We have got uh, one out of seven, and if we had that sort of ratio, say on um, the Thin Man, you know, we'd have you know a good thirty, forty episodes of that series. All right, well, uh, listener comments and email. We, we start now with Joan, who says, I just want uh, regarding uh, the episode, the State Fair murder case, I just wanted to tell you I think this was the best of all of uh, the Leonidas Witherall shows. It was rather comical with the interplay of Witherall the Bull and Mrs. Mullet. It was a good tongue-in-cheek show, and I really enjoyed the puns. I was smiling all through the podcast. This is a good podcast, and I, for one, am glad you were able to get this for us. And uh, I definitely appreciate the comment, and I, I, I'm i glad folks have enjoyed the uh, weeks we've had here uh, with uh, Leonidas Witherall. But that will actually uh, wrap us up for this week and for uh, Leonidas Witherall. Join us next week. It'll be uh, the start of a new series, The Fat Man. In the meanwhile, send your comments to Box13 at GreatDetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and give us a call, 208-991-4783. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.